two weeks ago today, I believe it was, there was all this black ice out on the street and, and, and in everybody's walkways and all that stuff. And I know Pastor Bravone actually walked outside his house and wiped out. And so he texted me and said, you know, everybody be careful. Our production team leader, Chris, texted the whole band and said, hey, everybody, let's be real careful. And so we got to church and um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to be very careful. And I had this going through my head. And so I'm, I walk across the street and I got my... Um, a whole case of water bottles, and I got my laptop in my other hand, and so I'm walking very, very carefully down right here in front on the sidewalk, and I just went flying, man. I went flying. The, the, the water went flying. The computer went flying, and I just, you know, fell right on my back, and at least there was ice there, you know. I mean, I just laid on the ice until the swelling went down, you know, um, and so I was like, all right, and so Chris helped me up. You know, we went inside, and then we went and got some salt so that you wouldn't die. Um, and so we got the salt, and we're carrying this big thing of salt out, and I took one step on the ice, and I fell again, right, wiped out again. And so this time I got up, and I'm starting to get a little frustrated, a little sore, right? And so we spread the ice, and, or we spread the ice, yeah, we spread the salt on the ice, and we're thinking, all right, good, that, that should about do it. And so we get through the service, and I drive home. And if you remember that day, the ice was terrible in the morning, and then it rained like crazy for the rest of the day. And so when I got back for the night service, I parked on the other side of the street, and I was about to do my, you know, my median jump. And so as I approached the median, I realized that it was like the River Ness concert. Like it was just, you know, water everywhere. So I'm thinking, I, I don't have time to like walk all the way down and around. And so I'm going to just, I'm going to make this. I'm, I'm going to do this. And I was just watching football. I was inspired. And so I kind of took a few steps back. I went running and I leaped over the north side of the River Ness concert, right? And then my plan was to bounce off the median, kind of just jump off the median and then jump over the south side of this great body of water. And so when I got to the middle, my shoe got stuck between the two parts in the median and I literally just rolled into the River Ness concert, like just soaked. I mean, every part of me drenched and I was laying there looking up like three times in one day like is this is this for real I mean I haven't probably fallen three times in one day since I was seven you know what I mean like I'm 30 I'm 36 this is this is unbelievable but you know those days when it just feels like nothing's going right right feel like those days everything feels like a mess you feel like you just can't get it together you feel like you're just weak you know we all can relate to those days, right? We all have those days where things just aren't going right. And sometimes we have those seasons and sometimes we have those years where it just feels like we are beat up and man, we're weak. And this comes out in a bunch of different ways, right? And Pastor Pavone last week introed our series and just talked about what we do when we feel weak, when we feel defeated, when we feel discouraged. And he did a great job talking about how we encourage ourselves in God, how we got to preach to ourselves, how we got to praise our way through a lot of that. So if you missed that, check out the podcast from last week. But today, I want to talk with you a little bit more about this theme. And I want to talk with you about what happens when we look to Jesus in our weakness, Right? When, when we're weak in and of ourselves and we look to God, what is happening? Because the truth is, I'm going to say something that might sound a little bit strange today, but what if our weakness is actually a godsend? What if our weakness is actually a good thing? I know it sounds a little strange, but I think that's exactly what we find here today. And that's super countercultural, right? That's just not the way we live. It's not the way we think. It's not the way anyone around us thinks. We do not celebrate weakness. We celebrate strength, right? But what if our weakness is actually a really great thing? Now, we all know about weakness, and, and I think what we all try to do, myself included for the most part, is fight weakness, push it away, get it as far away from us as we can. And nobody likes weakness. Nobody likes the different ways we can suffer, Right? I mean, some of you, are, you would say, I'm just physically weak right now. Maybe you've been sick over and over and over again. Or maybe you've been sick for a really long time and you're just going, 
I just physically feel weak. Some of us would say, I feel like my relationships are weak. You know, I feel like the things that I once enjoyed, the friendships, my marriage, my, my coworkers at work, uh, friends from college and high school, we used to be real tight. I just feel like that's all falling apart. I feel like there's weakness in that. I feel like they've put me down. They've betrayed me. They've gossiped about me. They've insulted me. Maybe it's because you're even a follower of Jesus that relationships have fallen apart. And that word persecution, people start to make fun of you for being a follower of Jesus or whatever it might be. And maybe that's what you're feeling today. Maybe for some of you, you're just weak emotionally, right? And you just don't got it. You know what I mean? I, I struggle with that every new year. I kind of, I mean, I, you guys know, I'm all about Christmas and I love that season. And like January hits and I'm just like, can I just sleep till like April? You know, I just, I just have a really hard time getting going and motivated and alive and, and stuff in, this, in the beginning of a new year. And, and so maybe you're just feeling some of that. Just, I just feel weak. I just feel tired. I just feel like I don't have in me what I need to do life. Like I'm not even talking about like climbing Mount Everest, just like getting to my job, you know, and making dinner. And I just feel tired. I feel weak in and of myself. What do we do when we're in that place? What, what do we do and what does God do when we're in that weak place? Because I just think some of us need encouragement today. I think some of us just need to hear God's perspective on some of our weakness today because there's something incredible that God wants to do in your life and my life when we're feeling weak and if we could just begin to instead of always fight weakness and push back against it and and pray it away maybe take a different approach when it comes to our weakness because there's something amazing that God wants to do in the midst of your weakness and my weakness this is so important because I think like pastor talked a little bit about last week our weakness can sometimes make us super defeated and, and really despair, right? It, it can get us sometimes angry and cynical. And so what if you and I were somehow able to celebrate our weakness and see God at work in and through it? And so we're going to look at some verses today. And, and today we're going to really kind of tear through. we got a lot of meat to chew through today that we're going to look at here this morning. And, and if you're newer to our church, I think you're maybe even going to find out some things about what we believe and, and why we do things a certain way we do them. And, and you're going to find out some of the things that we believe that God wants to do and yet some of the things he does and allows in our lives even when we're going through hardship. And so there's kind of a lot that I think you're going to learn today and, and understand more about where we're at. But I'm excited today because I just feel like we're going to get encouragement. I feel like we're going to walk out of here being able to kind of take a deep breath and allow God to do something in our lives that would just blow, blow, through, blow us through the roof, man. It would, just, it would just take us places we just can't get on our own strength. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're here checking things out and somebody invited you or whatever, you just kind of pulled in off the street and thought, hey, what, what should I do on a nice Sunday morning in freezing February? Um, we're so glad you're here. And I just want you to know, everything I'm going to say today applies to you. You know, like I'm not just talking to people who believe in God today. I'm talking to you. If you were to apply the things that I'm going to talk about today, you will see the same results. And, and by the end of the message, I actually have a way to prove that to you, okay? And so you'll see that kind of at the end of the message there. But we're going to look today at what a guy named Paul wrote. And Paul, if you don't know who Paul is, he was a, a follower of Jesus that got saved kind of in an amazing, radical way. And God just, he was one of those guys that probably was so hard-headed, he needed God to kind of literally knock him off his horse and show up in his life. And so this is what happens to Paul. And Paul begins to have these amazing experiences with God. 
okay? Like experiences you and I would want. Like, like he saw God show him things that you and I would be like, oh, if only God could make himself that real to me. If only God could do such deep things. And, and he talks about these revelations that he had and that God showed him all these amazing things that, that you and I could only wish we experienced. But right after this amazing experience, right, something happens. Something happens that we need to learn from today. Because Paul finds himself in an extreme place of weakness. And so maybe you're there right now. I don't know if you're feeling weak in any way today that I listed or maybe some that I didn't. But we can all relate to weakness and we all know times of weakness. And so here in this passage of scripture, we find just some incredible encouragement. And we find something really practical we can do. And so as you walk out today, I hope you'll just be challenged and encouraged. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul says, okay, I had all these great revelations, but, but look what happened. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. Now, that feels like an awkward uh, spot to stop, but I'm going to do that to you about five times today because there's stuff I want to talk about in all these different slides, okay? So we, I'm just, let's lay a little foundation here. He says, all right, to keep me from being conceited because of the stuff I saw, because of the great experiences I had with God. He's saying, okay, God did something. God allowed me to be weak in and of myself so I wouldn't get an ego. You see, here's one thing I hope you'll maybe jot down today. Hopefully you'll jot a lot down today. But one thing I'd love for you to jot down is that sometimes the most loving thing God can do is allow us to be weak in our own strength. Sometimes it's the most loving thing God can do. And I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense maybe right off the bat, but as we unfold these verses, you'll see that. And that's exactly what is going on here in this verse. Paul's saying, so I wouldn't get an ego. And what happens when we get an ego? We push God away, right? We think we got this on our own. The more arrogant we are, usually the further and further from God we are, right? And the Bible tells us that God opposes the proud. And so if God loves you, then sometimes the greatest thing he can do is allow you to go through some weakness so that you cling to him, so that you come close to him, so that you and I say, okay, I don't have this all together, so God, I'm gonna come all the more near. And so Paul's saying, okay, this is what happened. So I wouldn't get conceited. So I wouldn't push God away. God lovingly humbled me. And then he says this, and, and you'll see here uh, what I'm talking about. He says, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And now you're going, oh, I see how this is loving. You know, I think messenger of Satan to torment me, loving. You know, right? That doesn't sound very loving, but, but really it is. Because like I said, what God is allowing here is he's allowing Paul to be weak so that he can lean more on God. Um, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, right? And a thorn, if you think about it, isn't going to kill you, right? But it will really hurt. It, it will take a lot of your attention. You ever just, you're out working in the yard and you get one of those thorns in your hand and it's like, it's just this stupid little thing. Sometimes you can't hardly even see it, but yet you're like debilitated, you know? And like, you know, especially us men, we're wimps, guys. Come on, we get a thorn in our flesh, right? We're running to the wife, like, find it, you know, take it out. And so, um, I know like it's not going to kill you, but it will debilitate you. It will make things that you were doing just a second ago probably impossible till you get that thing out. It's probably all you can think about until it's out. And so Paul says, okay, so this messenger of Satan comes and gives me this thorn in my flesh. And we got to talk about that for a second because what's with that? Like God is humbling Paul, but he's using a messenger of Satan. How does that work? Right? I thought they were on different teams. Right? How does, how does all this work? Well, you see, I don't think that you know, God called up Satan you know, and said, hey, you know, send one of your boys to torment 
my buddy. I don't think he tweeted at him, you know, you know, hashtag get him good, hashtag lol. You know, I, I, think, I think instead, I think this is probably what happened. I don't get everything. This is my take on it. I think Satan's always wanting to torment us, right? I think he's always after us. And God's normally, like 99% of the time, stopping the enemy from doing what he wants to in our lives. Until, and this is really important, until God sees an opportunity to use Satan in our life. I know that sounds weird. But sometimes I think God might just slightly remove his hand a little bit. He's still got us. But, but move his hand from blocking the enemy from working in our life in a certain way to the degree that he can use Satan against Satan in our lives. He, he realized that, okay, if I remove my protection on this little aspect of Paul's life, just to this little degree, it'll humble Paul to the point that he's weak enough in his own strength that he won't push me away. Does that make sense? I hope that's clear, all right? Then it goes on a little bit more. Verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So Paul's like you and me. He experiences weakness and he says, God, how can this be loving? God, get rid of this. I don't want this. You know, remove this from my life. So Paul's just like me and you. He gets that weakness is not fun. He gets that a thorn in the flesh is not a good time, but he's crying out to God saying, remove this. But then verse 9, this is going to be another awkward stop here, but so important. Verse 9, but he said to me, but he said to me, why is this important? It's important to pause here for a second because you know what you and I do when we suffer when we feel weak, physically, emotionally, relationally, whatever it might be. You know what we do? We say, God, why aren't you answering me? God, why aren't you speaking to me? I'm, I'm crying out to you. I'm asking you to remove this. Why are you being silent? I just think it's so powerful that Paul here is recognizing that even when he wasn't getting the answer he wanted, God was still speaking, right? But he said to me, you know, a while back, Landon asked for something ridiculous. My six-year-old, he asked for like a lion or a monkey as a pet or something like that, you know? So we got it. No, of course we didn't get it, right? And we said no, right? Because I love my son and I kind of want to keep living, you know? And, and so I, we said no. But you know what my son Landon couldn't accuse me of? He couldn't accuse me of not answering him, right? I answered him. I just said no. And so often I think we say, God, remove this. God, remove this. God, why are you being so silent? And here Paul's recognizing that God wasn't being silent. He just wasn't giving him the answer that he wanted. And so you can go through something hard and God can still be good at the same time. You can go through something hard and God can be saying no and God is still good and still active and still speaking. So then he says this. He tells us what he says. God says this to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, the thorn is here to stay. I'm not going to remove it. And my grace is strong enough for you. It's enough for you. It's, it's powerful enough for you. And, and grace is just God's provision for you. He's saying, Paul, even though I'm not going to remove this thorn from the flesh, even though that's what you want me to do, I'm not going to remove this weakness and this affliction. I want you to know, I'm going to provide for you still. I'm going to give you all that you need to continue on. And you know what? I think you and I need to just hear that today, that, that God's grace is enough, that he is going to provide in our weakness. But then look at this next part. I absolutely love this. He says, for my power, this is God, okay, my grace is sufficient, but my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, Paul, if you want my strength in your life, it's going to come when you're weak. 
It's going to come when you aren't strong in and of yourself. It's going to come when you don't feel great physically. It's going to come when relationships are in trouble. It's going to come when financially you're in trouble. It's going to come when you're emotionally down and you're, you're feeling despondent and you're feeling despair. That's when my power can show up, Paul, because that's when you stop trying to use your own power, Paul. And my power is made perfect in that weakness. That's what God's saying to us today. My power is made perfect. And those, and those things in your life you wish weren't there, those thorns in the flesh, those things you've pleaded with God to get rid of, his power then shines through like it never would have before. And so you can have your power or you can have God's power. And God's power comes through when you and I are weak. Just so you guys know, I, once in a while I think it's really important to check out what a word means in the Greek. Because Paul wrote this in the Greek language. And, you know, usually your Bible nailed it, okay? Don't, don't start to doubt your Bible um, that you can't trust it. But once in a while, it helps us just narrow things down and understand things a little bit better. And so what does this word weakness mean? He says, for my power is made perfect in weakness, right? And so what does this word weakness mean? And it really goes back to the whole issue of, like, what was the thorn in the flesh and all that? And people have argued about this for thousands of years, right? Like, what's the thorn in the flesh? And all I can do is give you the best that I understand it. Um, the, the, the Greek program that I used to study these Greek words, um, put together by these four masters of the Greek language, their take on it is that this weakness was talking about a physical weakness, sometime, some type of sickness or physical weakness, that Paul here is saying, okay, uh, God's saying to Paul, for my power is made perfect in your physical weakness, in your physical sickness. That's just their take on it. But don't get tripped up on that because later um, he kind of broadens it out. Paul broadens out the different weakness that he has encountered. And so you might be saying, well, wait is this, a minute. Does this mean God doesn't heal, right? I mean, Paul asked. I mean, Paul's like super Christian guy, right? I mean, he wrote half the New Testament. And so if Paul prays and God says no, does that mean every time I pray God's going to say no? Absolutely not. What we believe here in this church is that God heals. We've seen it. We've seen God heal and transform people's bodies and relationships and emotions and over and over again. And you'll see testimonies and videos of that, right? People right here in the room that's happened to. And so what we believe is that we pray and we ask God to change our situation until we hear him say no, just like Paul did. Right? And so, no, I'm not saying your situation is Paul's situation. I'm not saying your physical weakness, your relational weakness, your emotional weakness is just here to stay, give up. No, we seek God for healing unless we hear him say, no, my grace is enough. But then look what Paul says. This is so powerful. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul's boasting in his weakness. Now, he's not boasting in the pain. He's not boasting in the actual um, you know, the, the, the physical sickness, he's not like, oh, thank you, God, that I feel so sick. But he's boasting in the weakness so that what? So that Christ's power may rest on him. And I didn't really plan for all this to be a message. This all kind of came out of something that God was just teaching me. And, and a few weeks ago, I was just really thinking about that last line. I boast about my weakness so that, these last few words, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And it really dawned on me that when you and I push away or avoid weakness, we're really also pushing away Christ's power resting on us. I just started to realize, like, wow, when I try to avoid weakness and I try to just be strong in myself, I'm also avoiding Christ's power resting on me. 
So the more I try to do it myself and I try to avoid the weakness and I try to you know, pretend it's not there or cover it up or strengthen myself, the more really I'm pushing away Christ's empowerment. The more I'm saying, no, no, I'm not going to invite you into this, God. But Paul here is celebrating his weakness because he knows that when he celebrates his weakness, he's inviting the power of Christ. And, and if you're new to church, that word Christ is referring to Jesus. Christ means Messiah or anointed one. And so that was just part of what Jesus was called to identify him as the Savior. But we're inviting Christ's power into our lives. I just ask you a question because this is you know, something that I'm really learning here. It's something that God's doing to me. When's the last time you didn't just ask God to remove your weakness, you actually invited him into it? Right? Instead of just, God, take this away, when's the last time you said, God, I got to tell you, my, my marriage is weak. My friendship's weak. My body is weak. My emotions are weak. God, I would love for you to remove them. I'm asking you to heal me, but God, I'm also inviting you and your power right into it, right into the midst of it, that you would be strong in it, that you would make me strong in it, that this power of God that's not my own would do what I just simply can't do myself. It's a powerful thing. It's, a, it's something I don't think we do all that often. Verse 10, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in weakness. Again, not the weakness itself, but the fact that, man, when I'm weak, then God gets to shine through. His power gets to come and shine through in my life. Let's look at the Greek of all these next several words because it's important. Weakness. So here's our word again having to do with physical weakness, right? Then he says, in insults. What did that mean when Paul was saying it in the Greek language? A shame, an insult, or a mistreatment. Every time you and I are shamed or mistreated or insulted, that's an opportunity to invite Christ into that. Because, man, that hurts. There's nothing worse sometimes than, than just being put down and, and someone you love stabbing you in the back and being you know, pushed away emotionally, put down for being a follower of Jesus, made fun of constantly for that. Inviting Christ. Would you be strong, God? I'm so broken. I don't know about you. I think sometimes when we're emotionally broken, we are most able to cling to Jesus because we so are weak in and of ourselves. Next word is hardships. And in the Greek, this word actually means torture. And Paul knew what this was. Like you and I don't know what torture is, right? I mean, we know what it is because we've read about it online or in a book. But we don't know torture firsthand. Paul knew torture firsthand. He's able to say, I delight, not in the torture, but that in my weakness and brokenness, Christ's power rests in me. In persecutions. A persecution is a program or a process designed to harass and oppress someone. And so if you've been made fun of for being a follower of Jesus and people are constantly trying to get you to shut up and oppress that whole idea of you, you know, speaking out about that, Paul's saying, hey, here's an opportunity for Christ to be strong. In difficulties, right? We can all understand difficulties. Maybe we don't get torture, but we get difficulties because in the Greek, this is what it means. A set of stressful circumstances. Everybody's like, yeah, man, I get the stress thing, you know? You guys ever get the eye twitch? You guys ever get that, man? I, somebody walked into the community group a few weeks ago and, and I said, how was your week? He said, don't ask. And I said, oh, I got an eye twitch going this week. You, how about, how about you? He said, yeah, I got both eye twitches going. They said, oh, all right. I mean, you, like, you can literally physically see your eye twitch, you know? Like, like you're sitting in the dark and your, your wife comes in. You're not watching TV or anything. What are you doing? I'm just watching my eye twitch, you know? Like, I, I can see it. I feel it. It's fun, right? I mean, we get the stress and we get what that's like. What an amazing opportunity to invite Christ into that weakness, into that stress. God, 
yeah, taking my stress away, that'd be great. But God, if it's here for a season to keep me humble or to do whatever you've got to do in my life, then God, I want your power to rest on me. I invite you into this weakness. I invite you into my stressful situation. I invite you into my insults. I invite you, God, into my persecution. I invite you into my torture. God, I invite you and your power into this situation. So powerful. And then he says this amazing line. He wraps it up so well. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And it seems like, you know, a contradiction. What do you mean, Paul? For when you're weak, then you're strong. Well, this Greek word strong means empowered. For when I'm weak, then I'm empowered. You see, I think when you and I hear that word empowered, we know something. Paul's not empowering himself. You can't really empower yourself. You're empowered by something or someone else. And Paul is saying, when I'm weak, because of insults or persecution or sickness or emotional stuff or stress or torture, whatever it might be, then I'm empowered. That's when Jesus is able to come through with his power and do his thing in my life. And so Paul here celebrates his weakness. He doesn't just try to cover it up or make himself strong in his own strength or push it away. And he says, God, here's your, here's your moment to shine in me. I'm weak. Now you can come and you can do what you want to do. You can come with your power. I mean, let's just all think for a second. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, let's just, you can play along. Let, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't believe in God. Let's just say there's a God, okay? For the rest of us who believe in God, there's a God, right? So our power versus his power, right? I mean, me versus him. Not even a comparison. And so Doug on his strongest day, me on my strongest day, compared to the power of God, a joke. And so what a beautiful thing when I get to be weak and this unbelievable power of Christ gets to come into my life and do what I can. I mean, if we're smart, we do this on a natural level. Like, well, let's leave God out of the, the equation for just a second. On a natural level, we do this, don't we? Right? If we're smart, sometimes we're prideful and we don't. But, but sometimes we're smart and realize, okay, I'm weak in this area and I need some help. I'll give you an example. My mother-in-law is a mathematical genius, right? And so my kids come home from school with math, math homework and none of them are above grade five, but I have no clue how to help them. You know, I'm like, what is going on here? And so I can try and figure it out. I'll be there for about an hour and a half and I'll probably get it wrong, right? Or I can just say, let's call grandma. You know, FaceTime's a beautiful thing. We show her the problem, you know, and... Let's call grandma and let's figure this thing out. And then in that moment, when I've realized I'm weak and I can't figure this out, her strength, which is way greater mathematically than mine, can come through and it strengthens us all and empowers us all to do what we couldn't have done earlier. You know, it's true in other areas of life too. Um, a couple weeks, uh, right before the storm hit, I broke my snowblower. I was, I was pulling the handle and I ripped the handle. I'm that strong. I ripped the handle right now. I ripped the handle right off. I know, everyone fear me. Um, but... In that moment, I know what I could do. And, and, and this is like day before the storm. I'm realizing I might be in trouble here. Um, and so I realized that I'm watching YouTube videos and how to take the thing off and recoil and, you know, do the whole deal with the string. And, and I'm like, all right. And I'm like, don't do it, Doug. You know, you don't, like, let's, let's figure this out. And let's, let's think for a second. And so what did I do? I recognized my weakness. I celebrated my weakness. And I called my dad. My dad's a brilliant, you know, mechanic. And so I said, Dad, you don't happen to have like 20 minutes, do you? And so he comes over and he takes that thing apart. And you know what I did in the process? I helped him. I held the screws. Yeah, he gave me three screws and I dropped two of them. And it took us about a half hour to find them. They rolled all around the garage and there, right? 
And you know what? Here he came, same deal. And I watched him, and he's brilliant. He just took the thing apart, got his pocket knife out, like, you know, got, dug the thing out, put it through the dealie, lit the end on fire. I would have blown the house up, lit the end on fire, right? You know, quarterized it, put it through, you know, everything was good. Thing back together, and, you know, I added the half hour losing the screws, but, you know, under an hour. And I was, you know, strengthened by that. I know how to do it now. If that happened again, I could do it. He empowered me. He showed me what I couldn't have done myself. And the same is true in our relationship with God. If we would just simply celebrate our weakness. I mean, Paul's bragging about it. Paul's boasting about it because he knows something bigger is coming. He knows his dad's on his way to fix what he can't fix. He knows a power way bigger than he could ever muster up himself is able to come into that weakness, that sickness, that social situation, that relationship, that insecurity, whatever it might be. And so Paul says, hey man, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, then I am empowered. Only when we're weak do we see Christ's power shine through. And so what I think we see so clearly here, Paul is saying, it's just simple, it's what he's been saying the whole time, is that when we're weak, Christ empowers us. When we are weak, Christ empowers us. That's what the potential is. That's why we can celebrate our weakness instead of trying to cover it up, push it away, pretend it's not there, get ourselves, you know, just better, fix ourselves. Yes, we ask God to heal. Yes, we ask God to change. Yes, and he does that. But we also invite him right into our weakness. I tell you, I did that this morning. I did that this morning. I just was feeling anxious about some things and and I just, rather than just saying, God, take them away, or just kind of pushing them away, no, I'm not going to even think about it. I said, God, I invite you into my weakness. And then our soundboard started freaking out. And we all started kind of freaking out, like, what are we going to do here? And you know what? I was bugging for about 45 seconds. And then I just said, funny. All right, God, we got your sense of humor here. Come into our weakness today. If I got to talk a little louder, it'll be all right. We're going to use an acoustic guitar, ukulele, and a couple bongos. We're going we're gonna to get this thing going. We're going to still worship. And so, God, we just invite you into our weakness. And in that weakness, you can shine through. This such greater power can come and shine through. The best thing for you and I is to be empowered by Jesus. So sometimes the most loving thing he can do is let us be weak in and of ourself. I got a Facebook message a few weeks ago from a friend and he's going through some really, really hard stuff, like heart-wrenching stuff. And he was just, you know, kind of just throwing, all, throwing it all out there for me in, in the message. And, and I wrote him back and just tried to encourage him and told him I'd be praying for him. But you know what I said to him? And I, had, I was not writing this message at the time, wasn't even thinking about it. I just know this to be true. I said, bro, here's what I know. In a year or two, you will look back on this time and you will be grateful for what you went through because there's a unique leaning on Jesus you'll experience during this time. You'll look back and you'll be like, man, that was really hard, but that was so great. I remember how I needed God for every moment of every day. I needed him for every breath. I needed just constant strengthening, and I leaned on him so hard, and he felt so close. I mean, I'll just ask you, when does Jesus feel the closest for you? Is it like when everything's great and you are just rocking it, and man, life is good, and you, you don't even have time to pray life's so good, everything, you're so satisfied with how everything is? Or does Jesus feel the closest in those moments when you're like weeping on the floor? And that's what we experience. That's what we find. This guy named John Bunyan who was arrested in the 1600s for preaching in England. 
Uh, there was like the official Church of England, and it was all religion. It was nothing about relationship with Jesus. It was do, do, do. It was works. It was all about getting yourself to heaven by your performance. And so John Bunyan found the emptiness of that and began to realize it was all about a relationship with Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. And, and he began to have these other services outside the official Church of England, and they arrested him, and they put him in jail for 12 years for just simply preaching in these meetings. And while he was in prison for 12 years... He went through ups and downs, hardships, brokenness. I mean, lots of questions, lots of prayers. But you know what he says? This is what he wrote near the end of his sentence. He said, I've continued with much content through grace, but have met with many turnings and goings upon my heart, both from the Lord, Satan, and my own corruptions. By all which, glory be to Jesus Christ, I've also received among many things much conviction, instruction, and understanding. Listen to this. I never find or found in all my life so great an inlet into the word of God as now. Those scriptures that I saw nothing in before are made in this place and state to shine upon me. Jesus Christ also was never more real and apparent than now. He's saying this in prison. Here I have seen and felt him indeed. Listen to this last part. Were it lawful, I could pray for greater trouble for the greater comfort's sake. He's saying, if it were lawful or if it were appropriate, I would actually pray for more trouble in my life so that Jesus' comfort and strength could be greater in my life. That's what John Bunyan was able to say. That was his experience. And you know, this past week I got an email from a visitor that kind of reminded me of this. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about this for a second because I told you by the end of the message, I'd try to just prove that what I'm talking about today applies to you too. Because in this, this lady's email who's been coming to our church for a month, who's been saved for a month, she wrote something so powerful. Look what she wrote. The first service I went to at Living Word was the second part of the New Year series. And it brought tears to my eyes, especially hearing the testimonies. What really stuck me, uh, struck me was how you said, with following God, tribulations might happen, and you may experience grief or disappointment, but you won't be shaken. This is exactly what I've been striving to achieve but by using other methods, not God. Listen to this. Now that I've surrendered, I feel the strength. She gave me permission to share that with you this morning because this is exactly what Paul's saying. Here she is saying, all my life I've been trying to, you know, fill all these different emptinesses, the weakness, share these things up with different things, not God. And now that I've surrendered, celebrated my weakness, I've invited him into my weakness, I feel strength. That's what Paul said. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I celebrate my weakness, when I surrender, when I look to him, invite him in, then I am empowered. And so what do you need to invite Christ into today? What area of your life, what weakness do you need to invite him into? Yes, pray that he heals. Yes, pray that he changes the situation. Absolutely. But also invite him right in. If it didn't change today, if it didn't change this month, this year, or if it never changed, that you would invite him to be there in the midst so that his grace could be Enough so that you could be empowered either to be healed or to walk through what you're going through with the strength that only He can give. When you and I are weak, Christ makes us strong. That's the reality for you and I this morning. 
And so don't try to be tough. And don't try to be strong in and of yourself. And don't ignore it. And don't pretend it's not there. And don't try to follow all the self-help guides out there to get yourself to be the best version of you. No. Surrender. And invite Jesus into that area of weakness. And he may heal you. He may just provide grace. But any way you look at it, the power of God is going to be at work in your life in a way that it may not be today. Would you pray with me? God, we invite you into our weakness. And we thank you for the amazing love that you have for us, God. Even though it doesn't make sense sometimes to us why we're going through what we're going through and um, why we are weak, why we're sick today, why we're going through relational hardship, why we're emotionally broken, why life hasn't panned out like we hoped it would yet. All, All the stresses, all the circumstances we can go through where we feel weak and beat up. But God, we thank you that we can invite you right into our weaknesses. And we thank you, God, that there's grace there. And there's a strength so much bigger than our own. And so we just come together as followers of Jesus today, and we ask that you'll forgive us for for trying to get it right on our own, for, for pushing you away, for trying to avoid weakness, and in so doing, avoiding your power resting on our lives. And we ask you, God, today, to be our strength, to empower us. We invite you into our emotional brokenness. We invite you into our physical pain. We invite you into our financial struggle. We invite you into our relational issues, into our marriages, into our friendships, into uh, the persecution we might be going through, the insults. Anything I've missed, God, we invite you into our weaknesses. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to be specific. Would you go to him now? And would you invite him right there? Invite him into your marriage. Invite him into the insults you've received. Invite him into the emotional brokenness through what you've been through. Whatever it might be, be very specific. Ask him to heal, yes. Ask him to deliver, yes. But invite him right into it. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, Everything I said applies to you. In the same way I look to Jesus for strength, you look to Jesus for strength. In the same way I've looked to Jesus for forgiveness and mercy, you look to him. In the same way. And what he did on the cross for you is the same he did for me. We're no different. We both need Jesus so desperately. And so his heart is for you to respond to him. To ultimately invite him into your weakness and into your life to save you and rescue you. And he'll do that. And so if you want to pray and ask God to do that today, I encourage you to pray something like this just quietly in your heart between you and him. Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life today. I need you so much. God, I'm weak in many areas, but most of all, I need you to save me from my sin. I need you to rescue me from all the things that I've done that are wrong that separate me from you. And I thank you for Jesus' incredible love and unconditional acceptance. So God, thank you for this salvation and thank you that this leads me to a relationship with you and ultimately to heaven. In your name I pray, amen.